Welcome to Being Mean, episode 24, I believe, with David and Tom. Plus, this week, a round of applause, please, special guest, Ivo, from the, current, from the currently defunct Gammonauts podcast, is joining us for a special episode in which we will be uh, exploring a deep dive on probably my favourite film, my favorite film. I was going to say my favorite film of the 1990s, but I think it's just it's up there. It's, it's in really the top. Up there. It's, <laughs> it's so in the top good. ten. It's definitely up there. That is Tomorrow Never Dies. The uh, I call it a Pierce Brosnan vehicle because <laughs> anything which Pierce Brosnan is in, he is uh, he is uh, the master of. We're having a little bit of a power play at the moment with uh, turning on and off our cameras on our video chat to see. Uh, <laughs> I actually much prefer them off, I have to say. I hate to interrupt yeah. the, the intro here. Is this are you planning on listing my honours and achievements now? Or? They go at the end with the ads. Right, right. <laughs> yeah. Uh but Why? you can list them yourself if you wish. Is that because they're extensive? They're extensive, yes. Yeah. It's like a kind of fast um fast credit roll. <laughs> yeah, they <laughs> read by in like audio an advert. format. Yeah, unless you'd like to pull out some of your highlights, if you have any. Uh, if you have any highlights, um, you can always you can always pull them out. I heard that you once worked for Fabrizio de Moldicellini, uh, so that's that's. that's <laughs> I'm not that's... sure that I'm allowed to say that on air. Uh, okay. There you were an NDA. What I will say is there were talks. Uh, a no, a no dick <laughs> agreement. Kind of Good one, Dave. <laughs> I can tell this is going to uh, devolve rapidly. No, this um, um yeah. this is a great honour for me. Uh, I've I'm a long time, long term uh, apologist for this podcast, and it's a delight to <laughs> delight to be here. I think that's a great way of describing uh, our fans. Uh, not that Ivo is a fan. No, integral part of the being mean colossus, you, extended universe. <laughs> <laughs> The BMU. The BMC. Um, cinematic universe, maybe. Yeah, it could be cinematic yeah. um, at some point. Anyway, uh, so first of all, let's just get everyone's first thoughts on the film. Ivo, how, do, how did you find Tomorrow Never Dies? Very. Just very. Very? Okay, I like it. So <laughs> Pretty much just new. very. That is very in keeping with the n strong 90s aesthetics that run throughout this film, uh, describing it as just very. So, yeah, very. I, mean, I also, uh, I agree. I have a thing with, uh, I mean, uh, it's very difficult, unless you have watched a Bond film in the last 13 minutes, it's very difficult to remember it distinctly from the rest of the canon. Every film has mm. the same sequences and they all this... have the exact same title. <laughs> they do all have the exact same title. Uh, that is very true. Yeah. I dis is... I, I'm actually going to disagree on that for this film specifically, which is that I realised watching... Well, I think all of the bits that I... Everything I remember from every Bond film comes from this one or GoldenEye, which is also an exceptional movie. Um, or the one with the diamonds in his face. Yeah, is that, that the one, title? That one's, that one's actually incredibly forgettable. Very hard to remember anything. That <laughs> the man that with the diamonds in his face. 
But this okay, one no, has I, a really, I... really good title, as we, I'm sure we'll get into. It's, <laughs> it's so stupid. Tomorrow is very clever double meaning because it's the name of Carver's newspaper as well as... Oh, yeah, yeah. Literally. Let's, oh, I completely on. missed that. <laughs> yeah. <Let's laughs> I'm also going to um, disagree with Ivo in that I I watched this film twice in the last four days, but this is the only Bond film where I've understood the plot. And as I think we'll get on to later <laughs> with David's criticism of it, it's um, there's so much kind of looking straight at the camera exposition that it's very hard for someone with a ter- terribly tiny mind, such as myself, can to uh, misunderstand what's going on. because. Well- yeah, I think that's good. That that that's another. I have a similar problem because they do get as a, it's famously very very complicated Bond films. Um, but yeah, go, Goldeneye as well. It's the same thing where they don't explain any plot until the very end, and then it all happens in one speech. One guy just basically looks at the camera, <laughs> describes everything that's happened, and it's a similar. The similar approach with this one, but in this one they sort of manage to stretch out over the whole film. Um, so I think the whole film kind of revolves around. Part of when I was watching it, on my analysis afterwards, it feels like they started with set pieces and then worked backwards. And like, how are we going to make a film out of all these kind of crazy special effects sequences? Yeah. Uh, and the, f- the first scene starts with him going to a terrorist arms bazaar on the Russian border. Don't you, don't you love those? <laughs> it's literally what flashes up on the screen as the... Um, <laughs> As the description of what you're, you know, of where it is. And that just seems, doesn't that seem to you so, everything, I've written down, it's my note on this. Everything in this film is written like it's by a teenage boy. You know, yeah. he hasn't, in later Bond films and in previous ones, it would be like S-Bats dash four, five, six meeting on, <laughs> and, you know, just have like some like ridiculously um, impenetrable title about where it was. Whereas this is like, terrorists selling things <laughs> somewhere in russia <laughs> yeah it's it true. reminds me a bit yeah it reminds me a bit of the michelin web sketch have you seen it where there's like it's the writers who write um things but without knowing any of the jargon so they write like a hospital drama and it's like put, put that in him and they, he's got a syringe and they, they <laughs> yeah. just don't know the they don't know the words for anything and that's what that's what this feels like you can know too much the word that can yeah, be so that's definitely they do that later on is that other bond films are like a kind of tom clancy film uh, a tom clancy <laughs> yeah. novel where it's like it's just like all jargon well they got they got obsessed by it they're, they're just trying to be the born films now aren't they which is boring but these ones are still and this is the height of this is the height of bond of idiocy bros brosman idiocy i wish that the arms bazaar had been a bit more like an actual bazaar though with kind of <laughs> carpets hanging all over the people smoking shisha you know it would have been cool so what happens is that there's all these terrorists hanging around and then bond just appears out of this is the first time you see bond he just appears kind of out of nowhere and i will say at the arms bazaar there is nowhere to hide it's in the mi- <laughs> it's in the middle of the snow on the side of a mountain and then he's suddenly there and he just goes hello or something and punches <laughs> one of the people and Punches one of the um, but uh, well, I will say, guards hiding, hide, you know, hiding in plain sight is often yeah. So you know, it's the, just, it's uh, the same logic as the Hitman games where he just puts <laughs> on terrorist clothes <laughs> and no one notices that there's this public schoolboy just sort of wandering around the terrorist arms bazaar. Um, so he's uh, looking around this uh, this terrorist arms bazaar. 
then they're watching him from inside this room. He's thinking kind of, of buying a carpet, isn't he? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> he wants an oil lamp. <laughs> <laughs> he wants lots of tat. He wants some fake. Yeah, he, yeah. Wants, he doesn't know what he wants, but it wants to come with a lot of brass bells attached. <laughs> <laughs> and, pray, and prayer flags. <laughs> so whilst he's in the bizarre m and some other people in london are watching him on the on the massive monitor can i say they have it's so weird they're such badly thought out they have one camera and it's happens to be in the worst position because it means they can't see the nuclear weapons because there's a jeep in front of them (laughs) it's such a bad that's that's true isn't it there's a bit where the jeep moves and they go wait a minute those are nuclear weapons (laughs) Yeah, yeah yeah But there's also Alter, the there's yeah. also the implication that Bond because Bond says to them something about something like can can you see that and the guy says yeah I'm looking at it it's a jeep because they've just fired a missile <laughs> at, the, at the arms bazaar and Bond instead of being like no that behind the jeep there's nuclear <laughs> weapons instead of that he does the kind of oh well you're gonna figure it out in a minute. The whole scene I've written down, it's very enhance, enhance. Oh, uh, yeah. Point, they keep on saying, like, zoom in on that. Zoom in. This zoom is in. this and is then... a, all, an all-timer for the enhance yeah. genre. I don't know how much we're going to get into the plot, but basically what happens is the, na- the blowhard head of the Navy wants to just bomb these terrorists, so he shoots a missile at them. <laughs> then, the, then the jeep moves. They see that it's nukes, and they're like, oh, crap. We're going to just destroy everything we shouldn't do that they try to turn the turn the missile around by pressing this button which says destroy (laughs) on it and in amazing bits of bit of cinematic um you know tension building the destroy button doesn't work (laughs) and it cuts to this guy pressing this button going it doesn't work the destroy button doesn't work and you see this sidewinder kind of coming through the mountains towards um towards the the arms bazaar then there's lots and lots of fighting uh bond punches loads of people it's and such a funny plane. scene it's so creaky he looks like he's you know that scene in the irishman where they're all like aged up and they do the fighting they look really old For some reason yeah. he has exactly the same it's all like really poorly choreographed so it's kind of Oh, it's, it's so like weird. Do you remember it goes underneath the plane, then does a really weird kind of <laughs> creaky thing with his legs, and this guy like flies to the floor. It's that a great exactly scene. That's exactly the bit which I was thinking of. So he rolls under a plane at one point and kicks someone in the back of the car. Not that painful. <laughs> the person then falls to the ground, completely destroyed. Dead. <laughs> Dead. Dead. <laughs> yeah, but this was before UFC and 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 stuff like that. You know, a kick to the calf back then. Yeah, that, was, that was out of action. <laughs> I'm going to say, if I was going to be kicked anywhere, back of the car, <laughs> probably in my top places to be kicked by anyone. Like, it's quite a good absorbing yeah. impact. Definitely. It wouldn't bruise too bad. Yeah, the, no. Yeah, yeah. I've, I don't know whether this is the right, right moment to say this, but I was really struggling to follow this scene because just before... This, by the way, is, is not even really the movie. This all happens before the credit opening credits extraordinarily but before watching the film my aunt said to me oh the thing about pierce brosnan that i've always wondered about is what's going on with his freckles and so i couldn't stop looking at trying to work out what she was meaning she says that she has a suspicion 
that he is ginger but dyes his hair dark. Ooh, okay. Because her, his insane. skin <laughs> and his freckles are that of a ginger person. I, I did find that uh, back onto the Brosman facts. I did find out that, and I said this to Dave, that uh, he wore a tiny wig. Um, he's got a kind of weird bald patch, like right at the front of his head. Really? Um, it's kind of like um, I'm going to turn my camera. It's kind of about. It's like that, kind of there. Um, to one side. Yeah, and so he uh, joined the grand tradition of um, James Bonds, which is that Daniel Craig is the only one who has not worn any kind of hair you know, <laughs> accessory on uh, on the set. Yeah. Well, yeah, yeah. This is also this is my first little factoid. This is also the first James Bond film to have no original Ian Fleming material in it at all. Did you happen to watch this on oh, Amazon Prime, good. Tom? I did indeed. Ah, yes. Uh, We've got the same factoids. Rumbled. <laughs> <laughs> I will. My favourite about... of the factoids is that the the very fat henchman with a very confusing name. He's, fat white guy called Ricky Gupta, Gupta <laughs> is that, yeah. yeah is that it was obvious it was written for an Indian actor for some reason didn't get the part so there's this fat white man <laughs> called Gupta wandering around I was fascinated <laughs> by this Gupta guy because when I first saw him I thought it was Slavoj Zizek who's made <laughs> and his the background of his character is that they do like a brief history of him in the in the control room and he was a he started out as a radical in Berkeley Oh, yes, yeah. I liked that. I liked yeah. that little thing. It made me instantly think of Brendan, uh, Brendan <laughs> yeah, yeah. fan friend of fan slash friend <laughs> of the pod, apologist for the pod. Uh, I, I really like that. Um, what do? What should we move on to? Should we move on to? The, so, th- there's this first scene. There's a lot of of terrible puns. He uh, he gets he flies off in one of the planes. Um, and he's knocked out. This is a bit of terrible planning by Bond. He gets into one of these mili- mili- military planes. There's, a, there's two seats. So there's the main pilot and then there's the co-pilot, which is directly behind the pilot. When he gets into the plane, what he does is he just punches the guy, the co-pilot, in the head, knocking him out. Not Doesn't remove him from the plane. He then gets into the plane himself. Very predictably, the guy then wakes up <laughs> and starts strangling Bond with, I don't know, like a shoelace I'm, or something. Yeah, I'm really pleased that he does this. Or like it's a, <laughs> it's a cord a from his headphones or something. But he's, I'm pleased about this because you get some excellent Bros, Brosnan grunts. Like some really phenomenal. I was going to pepper some of those in now. <laughs> So those are the Brosnan, Brosman uh, grunts. I th- I've started it, calling him. What is his, <laughs> name? his name is his name is Brosnan. Bros, but Brosman, but he's the Brosman. Brosman, yeah. The other thing that's great he... about this, we should move on because I know we're, we're spending so long in the beginning. But the other great thing that is worth mentioning is that all of the uh, special effects in this film are fucking awful. They're like. <laughs> like uh, like stock iMovie level like bad there's one where they shoot a missile and it's supposed to explode on the side of a hill and it looks exactly like that explosion app you know you can like superimpose an explosion over a video <laughs> and it's just ex- obviously what they've done 
It's really good. You know, I would say that moving on from that fact, I'm going to say that the scene that comes directly afterwards, which is the classic Bond theme with uh, sexy ladies moving around, like every single Bond intro is that now. And it's sexy the, guns the, as well. Sexy guns. Yeah. Uh, I would say this is probably my favorite visual of one of those openings of any Bond film because normally they're fucking boring, aren't they? They're so long. Yeah. They show like the whole credits for the whole film are at the beginning, so they can play the whole song, and it's just like ladies moving. <laughs> yeah. And the and song's always very bad. I love this song. I watch a Bond film for for those sequences <laughs> for the intro yeah but i like this one because it was pure uh dot com bubble silicon valley <laughs> uh thing it's like all of the ladies like made out of microchips and stuff yeah um, and like bits of the internet which has no relevance <laughs> in the plot later on like if you look at like the casino royale one they're all like made out of like um playing cards heart, heart playing yeah. cards and stuff <laughs> just like it's just like internet stuff. Bits of the internet. That's that is Bit. the 90s, baby. If you don't yeah, want to yeah. sleep with it's, a it's computer so... chip, then I can't help you. Well, I do. <laughs> and that was that was part of why I got so randy during the film. And not only <laughs> looking at the bros man for such a long time. Um, the theme is by Cheryl Crow. I've written bad, but are all James Bond themes bad? Yeah, no. the, the answer to that is yes. No. Apart no, from no. what's the one? Nancy Thunderball. Oh, Thunderball's incredible. Thunderball's by Tom Jones, and it has some of the funniest lyrics of any song ever. It's very. <laughs> <laughs> Go on, let's have some of the Thunderball lyrics. <laughs> he, um, he he runs when other men only walk. He always runs. <laughs> he, he always al- runs. He always <laughs> runs. <laughs> Hang on, I know. Let me look them up. Uh, Thunderball. He always runs. That would be. Like it's exhausting. Kind of... I mean, well, it goes like, like this. What... So this is a, this obviously hadn't. He so clearly hadn't watched the film. I don't know if you've seen Thunderball. It's almost like all underwater for some reason. I can't really remember it. All of them basically the same. But it, Tom Jones obviously hadn't watched <laughs> the film or bothered reading the script or anything. He's just written. He's just got the name of the film, which is Thunderball. So it goes like this. He always runs while others walk. He acts while other men just talk. They call him the winner who takes all, and he strikes like Thunderball. He knows the meaning of success. His needs are more, so he gives less. He looks at this world and once in all, it doesn't make any sense, then he strikes like Thunderball. It's so bad. This goes on and on, just terrible. But at least that's memorable, whereas the Sheryl Crow um, theme was just totally... um, Oh, yes, actually, I'll read some of of the lyrics in this. are absolutely insane, okay? (laughs) Darling, I'm kill. I'm in puddle on the floor, <laughs> waiting for you to return. Oh, what a thrill! <laughs> what? Oh, wait, I think I must be reading. I'm in puddle on the floor. It's the. She's racistly imitating them. <laughs> Do you know what? This is funny. I was reading some like fakely translated versions of it, and they're actually way more funny than. <laughs> So the so the so the official lyrics are darling I'm killed I'm in a puddle on the floor waiting for you to return oh what a thrill these are these are terrible they're just like um it's people who'd never written a song before yeah I think I think they were, are all bad aren't they they're yeah. all terrible and the lyrics are always particularly awful but yeah 
Anyway, we're move, moving on from that. Um, <laughs> I can see why they call it the Being Mean podcast. Yeah, we, we, don't, we don't hold back here. <laughs> I don't want to um, fuck off. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> what do we think about some of the, some of the next scenes? So the next uh, bit, which I remember, my notes get a bit spotty here. So maybe Dave, you can uh, take it. It goes I've kind of. Uh, my next thing I've written is the stealth ship rocks. <laughs> yeah, yeah, the stealth ship does rock. Well, this is when it goes into the. Then we go into the them sinking the Devonshire, whatever it's called, the the Royal Navy boat, isn't it? And they the HMS Devonshire, yeah. A um, but this is a great. This beginning bit is because it's the beginning, so there's not very much context, and because the writers of this film uh, are sort of very very stupid, or well, they know their audience, <laughs> I guess. They there's it's pretty much all exposition. There's very little dialogue. That in this beginning bit that isn't exposition. There's a great bit I've written down here where they shoot the they shoot sea drill rather than a torpedo. And yeah. I don't really know. Yeah. Then it sort of drills through the boat, <clears throat> and they can some somehow you can sort of turn it in different directions. Doesn't really <laughs> yes. make any sense. But there's a great bit where they're watching. Then then there's a bit of panic in the sort of um, on the bridge on the navy the navy ship, and then it cuts back to the stealth boat and Stamper the sort of main. Uh, henchman says and now they're wondering why the torpedo hasn't exploded which <laughs> is really good uh yeah show uh, don't i tell. think that that's i think that's one of the least bits of exposition so basically the point of this uh the point of the the evil plan the overarching evil plan we should say is there's this guy called elliot carver he's called elliot yeah, yeah. Elliot carver, carver. Played by Jonathan Price, but we'll get on to him being amazing in a second. And his thing is that he just wants to create a war between the British and the Chinese so th- to sell newspapers and stuff, basically. Yeah, he'll get, in exchange for helping some rogue Chinese general, he gets a hundred year contract to be the sole distributor of news in China. But he's basically <laughs> just. <laughs> Yeah. It's one of the worst evil plots ever. <laughs> it's terrible. And so to, to to do this, he tries to kind of turn the British and the Chinese against each other. And the way he does this is he has this stealth boat, which is jamming the uh, jamming the signal of the HMS Devonshire. So the, the HMS Devonshire he kind of accidentally walks into Chinese waters. And then uh, they start kind of provoking both sides. Yeah. It's quite boring. It's but very, basically, yeah. the way... <laughs> <laughs> the way which they do the way which they do that is they say is they just kind of say so what we're going to do now is we will provoke the english into thinking it's a chinese <laughs> yeah, yeah. shooting at them yeah, let's be true. honest i mean as soon that's as we true. left the international terrorist arms bazaar it was it was only going to go downhill <laughs> definitely i will also say Back to the Amazon, watching it on Amazon Prime. The Amazon Prime facts are like a kind of killjoy cousin or like a kind of older brother who's just like, no, that's not real. So yeah, like, that's true. So, <laughs> when, yeah. I, when, I, when I was watching it the, and, I, and I paused on the drill and it goes, the drill, this kind of drill would never actually work. And I was like, well, fuck off. I don't <laughs> want to. I want to let me have this. I Let me <laughs> live in the fantasy world for a little bit Amazon Prime. <laughs> Um, anyway, sue. anyway, this, we go. This is the first. It then, co- it then after, so they do the whole plan. It, it's it's it, the sort of ins and outs are quite boring. But then it goes to Carver's, the first appearance of Elliot Carver, played by Jonathan Price. 
Yeah. And I think the first, he picks up the phone to stamp her. And he says, first line is, I'm having fun with my headlines. And he's writing his headlines on a really big screen. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's so good. Um, Do a job you love and you'll never work a day in your life. You know? <laughs> I mean, Elliot Carver's really got it. That's it's an original true. Ivo Beatty quote. Actually. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's what I've been um, so- writing whilst you guys have been talking. I was trying to work out some... <laughs> Yeah, Ivo's actually written a little bit of fanfic, which we're going to get on to uh, later on. Uh, so I've written down the notes, Jonathan Price rocks. He's a silly, evil Steve Jobs ripoff. I think that's... <laughs> yeah, that sort of sums it up. I mean, he's sort of... Yeah, he's so good. It's he's really... Fantastic. He's He's got the Steve Jobs s- glasses, hasn't he? He's got the Steve Jobs... He looks exactly like Steve <laughs> yeah, Jobs. Yeah, he's got yeah. the Steve Jobs look. That's right. <laughs> I and, love his um, weird evil, his evil, his like master villain coat he wears all the time, which looks incredibly cheap. It looks like it's been knocked up by a um, costume yeah. department, which it 100% has. And he's, <laughs> he's, one of the things I love about his character is that there's no, so the motivation is that he gets to do the news in China for 100 years. But you're, <laughs> like, to what end? He's already got all of Western Europe. He's the, pretty much the only news source, it seems. And he has no aesthetic taste. What's, he's got, like, no desire for anything other than the news, which he is so horny for. It's great. He is, yeah, he is horny for the news. And also, I, let's talk a little bit more about his character. So his character is very two-dimensionally evil. And he says, uh, he's a great actor, he says everything with such <laughs> malicious, <laughs> evil intent. And now, I will... <laughs> And it's also just like so boring to do the news. He's like, now <laughs> I will do my headlines. <laughs> he's got so everyone. Good. It's such a terrible premise. To he's sixty something years old in the film. Yeah, like yeah. And he's he want he wants a contract for a hundred years. <laughs> and he's got no Which... kids because you can't have sex with the news, so he can't ever have children. <laughs> <laughs> And so it's just a terribly <laughs> short-sighted... <laughs> it's such a high-risk strategy. He could, <laughs> he could live quite a happy, very wealthy retirement with his attractive wife and his brand new... He's launching the first satellite news station. It's such a weird extra risk to take on. I love it. Um, yeah. The other thing is he then, so he then goes into his meeting with these weird... I guess they're supposed to be correspondents in different countries on kind of massive monitors on the wall. Do you remember that bit? And they have do, other yes. evil plans he's doing, which are so heavy-handed and amazing. Where they have the... There's some, like, technology... I can't remember what it is. Some technology rollout. Do you remember the thing that they're... It's some piece uh, of... Isn't te- it... They're blackmailing the president, one of them. It's G- yeah, one of them's blackmailing the president, and then he goes, yeah, that was great. And then release the video anyway. Yeah. <laughs> it's just great. Just uh, makes no sense. But then there's a great, yeah, where they're talking about the GPS or something where they go, with all the bugs you requested, so it'll have to be updated every year. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's like so... a kind of, a bit like a kind of uh, dig at uh, ba- bigger and sh- more shoddily made uh, Amer- American things. Yeah. Um, I, re- I really liked. Um... Oh, then, the, yes. Yeah, the, doesn't that also where he says his amazing, um, there's no news? Like bad news. <laughs> yeah. Oh. Which is yeah. so good. It's such a funny line. I, there's no actor in the world who could carry that off, but he somehow manages it. It's quite incredible. 
Yeah, he actually does well with a awful script. The script <laughs> is absolute dog shit. He clearly does. To... Yeah, he does the only thing you could do, which is he hams it up to the big, like the largest extent I've ever seen, maybe. And it's also amazing. It starts at eleven. And then it gets more and more like <laughs> frenzied and evil <laughs> as the film goes on. It's definitely really, yeah. I wanted to talk again about his about his clothes, which is they kind of have taken the whole film is like a pastiche of James Bond. Uh, I think you'll agree in that it has this overly evil evil character mm. who has absolutely like you just can't understand why he's doing this thing. You know, other evil guys, they're like, want money. You know, he, this guy's already like one of the richest people in the, w- in the world. He, he wants to do it for broadcasting rights in China. <laughs> it's so boring. Imagine if you were te- James Bond. Is- Every boy's dream. It's also, it's, it's completely insane. He wants, he's trusting this. I mean, that's like, it's so flawed. It's trusting these like, this insane Chinese general who's willing to bomb his own <laughs> capital in order to just have a hundred-year contract, as if he wouldn't just turn around and say no at the end of it. It's so good. The whole thing is... This is a kind of a so classic flawed. example of where filmmakers miss the mark of their target audience, much like how... Um, you, do you remember the Phantom Menace, the, that uh, Star Wars film that came out in the 90s and everyone hated it? Because the... You can understand in the original Star Wars, like Darth Vader is evil. In in the new in the Phantom Menace, it's all about like tr- cr- trade credits and stuff, and like Im- <laughs> trade embargoes. And everyone, all of the children, which is the target audience, were like, "What? What's even this? A trade embargo? We don't care." <laughs> children can understand being an evil man wanting money, or like I don't know. Basically, all the other pe- evil people want money, don't they? They yeah. want money or power. Very easily understandable things. But what's great? I like. Yeah. Has. But also he, the he, he has, and he also has no. It's not like he collects anything. He's got no aesthetic sense at all. He wears the same weird, horrible black jacket the whole time, and like all of the spaces that he lives in are very like plain and ugly. They're all like weird, like labs or like industrial warehouses that are sort of undecorated. It's very weird. And then he also, his wife. <laughs> their relationship is so funny. Oh, it's <laughs> they have so like weird. a second of screen time together, and he he seems to fucking hate her. So he clearly like oh hate her so much. <laughs> and also, so we'll we'll jump ahead to the first time which. Uh, Can we just so uh, just not too? I just want the, the only thing that would I want to mention as well is the is the great Brosman, Brosman speaking Danish. Yes, I've got that think, down as well. Yeah, it's the next like that's the language of film. love. There's never <laughs> been a hotter scene in, in film history. But he's doing that great thing that he does with every every single like romantic scene. Brosnan always does his signature shoulder biting, which I've got written. <laughs> my one, I don't have many notes, but sexy shoulder biting is written out in bold. You know that's that's very. You can tell that he does that in his um in his uh, in his spare time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah. like, in his in his real life, he's he's a sexy shoulder biter. Um, yeah. There's a load of classic bawdy puns in this film. I'm sure yeah. you have some of them written down, mm. David. Well, then it goes after yeah after the the so Brosnan speaking Danish. I think it's the only time he slips into his natural Irish accent. He speaks. Ah. He sounds so Irish when he's doing the Danish. It then goes to this weird scene in the back of it. He then gets called in some. Of oh them. no no let's let's go back let's go back to the Danish thing. For some reason, after he's 
escaped the bazaar, right? Brosnan, we should call him James Bond. James, <laughs> <laughs> James Bond has, is inexplicably now studying at Oxford University. <laughs> that Stud- is what happens. And studying Danish. Studying Danish in his time at Oxford University, he's smashing all of the professors. And uh, Money Penny calls him up, uh, and he says, "I've always enjoyed studying a new tongue." Uh, and then she, Money Penny, uh, rings him up and says, "Come in, James." And he goes, "No, I'm just brushing up on a little Danish." And th- to which she replies, "You always were a cunning linguist, James." And that is. Uh, Ultra, ultra lame. And uh, that's I've written that's three for three terrible sex puns in about 30 seconds worth of film. <laughs> <laughs> when they, I thought they had, they obviously had like a, you know, the thick of it had like a swear word consultant and he would like make the scripts more sweary or whatever. This yeah. one clearly has the same thing for puns because there's moments when he comes in. There are like a few bits of this film where it's just for about an inexplicable like 10 minute stretch it's just sex puns one after another <laughs> yeah. and then there's none for ages yeah yeah and, and then there's none in places where there could be really good puns isn't there one so, when yeah, think... when he meets uh carver where, where he goes to the reception and sees carver's wife for the first time doesn't carver's wife make one about elliot raping uh the chinese <laughs> She makes a, so funny. A, a pun about her own husband raping. It's something about like, um, oh well, I don't think she'll resist. <laughs> it's something like that. It's like I can just say, wouldn't it be funny if they're in this kind of like this whole film is quite light, light-hearted and frivolous. In the, it's so silly and camp, right? Yeah. Wouldn't it be funny if they were just doing all these and then like, the wife makes a really off-color horrible rape <laughs> comment, and there's just a really awkward silence. <laughs> There is. As if she has broken. She's broken this kind of frivolous play that they're all yeah. a part of, and everyone's just like, okay. Cool. There is. There is a really awkward <laughs> silence, and then uh, Bond and Carver just choose to completely ignore it and start to <laughs> carry on talking to each other about evil plans. So yeah. So they got. They've gone to this party. Um, James Bond has now been sent to investigate Carver. Uh, because the British intelligence believe that he has something to do with this uh, attack in the South China Sea, as it is uh, listed in the film. Uh, and um, Carver decides to kill James Bond Ooh, about three minutes into meeting him. It makes <laughs> well, a, it makes a <laughs> to, to be fair to Carver, Bond walks right up to him, asks him... Did you sink the Royal Navy ship that H M? Basically, I mean, he does it like slightly wink, wink. But he's like, "Would you know anything about a sunk Navy ship?" So obviously, he's like, "Well, okay, this guy's yeah, this guy's not... go for, go for <laughs> it's ready clearly for the intelligent." Chop. That's believable <laughs> though, with his backstory of being a banker. I mean, <laughs> it the... makes no sense at all. And then, um, yeah, about and then two he... minutes later from that, he decides to kill his wife. Well, he goes. Yeah, it's true. He decides to kill them both, doesn't he? But he go, he gets he gets Bond snatched away, and they have another incredibly cartoonish fight. I like the bit where because you can see them through the two way mirror, and they're in a sort of silenced, silent, you know, like a soundproof room, and you see Bond beating them up with various instruments that are in this studio for some reason. When I mean, he hits the man with the cello, he hits him over the head with a cello at one point. Oh <laughs> uh, yeah, he fights them <laughs> with so... the musical instruments. Yeah, yeah. 
Yeah. The whole thing is just beyond it's beyond parody. I it mean really if is. someone was like, make an Austin Powers version or make like an even more camp version <laughs> of this film, it'd be absolutely impossible. It's there's no there's, the, there's no way of parodying. One guy gets his head slammed under a grand piano lid. <laughs> so <laughs> yes. being th- having a cello thrown at you really I mean kind See, of my my yeah. take on this on this scene is that Bond went he Bond's an alcoholic, he went to the party he got incredibly drunk and then basically fucked it up. He's supposed to be on undercover <laughs> to get close to this guy and just asked him, did you uh, sink the ship? And then the guy tries to kill him. And then, because then, the next time you see Bond, he's just sitting in his hotel room with the door open and he's drunk a qu- half a bottle, of, like a half a bottle of vodka in straight shots. <laughs> he's clearly just like depressedly drinking because he failed to stop World War Three. <laughs> it's really so. I, that is such a good take that he just did it really badly because he does do it really badly. He just goes up. And <laughs> he's, not, he's not even undercover at all. Doesn't no. he call himself James Bond? Yeah. 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 Amazing. And he says he specialises um, in hostile takeovers. Yeah. It's just like. Do you think that he talks to people in that he? I'm talking about the character James Bond. Own. He's thinking they'll never get this. I'm till I'm speaking in riddles. You know. <laughs> yeah, I yeah. specialise in hostile people. He's unbelievably then... drunk. Yeah, I think he's just hammered the whole <laughs> he's time. Super drunk. Especially if you really go back hammered. to the Sean Connery. They're drinking, they're drinking at from they're drinking from the bit in the car where they're all, from his first like briefing to do the mission, and they say you've only got forty eight hours. So there's no. So it's, it all takes place within 48 hours. And within that time, he drinks like three bottles of, three, like three glasses of whiskey, <laughs> at least you see him on the screen. Half a bottle of vodka. Before you even got like halfway through the film, he must be absolutely fucked. Yeah, but to uh, be back, fair, that's the first the night. I mean, he, he, he's, that's the first night. <laughs> I'd like to go back to the car scene because the car scene I've written down. So this is a scene which is 1000% not needed in the film. It serves absolutely no purpose at all. And it is where they're taking Bond from this naval briefing to the plane in which he's going to fly to this Carver party that we've already spoken about. So they're in the back of this car the car is incredibly rickety and it's just <laughs> ricketing around on these bumps and everything they're having some conversation that has absolutely no bearing on the film or other it's like uh james do you have your passport for the plane he's like yeah i've got my i've got my passport my passport and money penny's like oh here's your boarding pass it's like why why are we putting in this minutia anyway they're all kind of rattling around the back of this car it's all such a funny from- it's like a, it's like the car inspector morse drives so, <laughs> and they're all drinking out of cars Crystal yeah. tumblers. Is, is, the, is this the following morning? Is this breakfast? It's a liquid <laughs> breakfast on the way to the plane. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But I just don't understand. They're all drinking out of these cut crystal. And then Money Penny's typing on some enormous computer in the front seat, going, Oh, I've just printed out your boarding pass. Now. Why do we have to have this? <laughs> the other thing about that scene that I love is that it's, you see the car from the outside, and it's like, it's they've got clear windows, not like tinted or anything. And she's sitting behind a screen. They also doesn't need to be there. A screen comes down, and Money Penny's sitting behind the screen in the front of the car with this massive computer. And Bond looks so surprised. <laughs> he looks like really taken aback that she's there. But unless, it doesn't make any sense. We would have got in the car together at the same time, presumably. We would have seen her sitting in the car because it doesn't have tinted windows. It's really bizarre. Like We've also got a really a great pun here where they say, pump her for information. 
the oh, number of pumps yeah. depends on you, James. <laughs> oh. <laughs> they all get one in as well, and when they start, start to, I think it's actually quite a good depiction, probably, of what those like public schoolboy MI6 guys are like. Just really Just lame. Really drunk, making lame jokes. Yeah. No, it I sounds like so to, fun. We must quickly <laughs> mention uh, Q uh, and uh, him picking up his car uh, and his uh, sick ass uh, gaming device. Do you remember <laughs> yeah, this bit, Ivo? I do. I do remember this bit. I've got to admit that my viewing was slightly impaired by. I I don't I don't have the Amazon Prime experience, so I had constant pop up adverts that said stuff like "Take one cup in morning, watch your belly fat melt like crazy." Which I don't know whether that's I don't know why I'm getting advertised the belly fat melting, but but yeah, I think I can remember this. I I mean, Q is un, unforgettable. Well, he's actually incredibly forgettable. He's an absolutely awful actor. Well, he looks like Rumpel. I don't. I don't know what Rumpelstiltskin is, but he looks like that. He does. I just mischievous gnome. Yeah. He's, yeah. Just, he's seven hundred years old. He's so old that he can't stop shaking in the scenes. <laughs> Yeah, he can't stop shaking. He also can't just like he says all his words like he's bored and wants to get off the set immediately. <laughs> Not as the character of Q. He's like, come through here, 007. Don't touch that. And now this is your new car. <laughs> here are the controls, and they have a kind of shooty thing. And this other thing, I can't even be fucked to talk about it. Just, you do your thing. I'm gonna not appear in the rest of the film. He also and changes. Then... It's true because in that sequence, they change scene. I mean, like, the, you, he's in a car rental in an airport or something. And, and, yeah, what, and Q what says one answer? line and suddenly you're in a warehouse. It's the most disorientating <laughs> thing that I've ever experienced. I loved it. Anyway, the, yeah, takeaway really is that, the takeaway is that James Bond has a mobile phone on which he can control this car. And he's instantly amazing. <laughs> he's so good at gaming. So <laughs> but correct it's me also the wrong. funniest idea for how a remote control car would work it's a an oval touchpad you, you use like a compute like a trackpad on a laptop and that drives <laughs> this like however many tons yeah. like steel. is it my yeah. i can't i all of this it's it all seems like a really bad dream so i need to it's kind of i find myself remembering things with some dubious quality but aren't q and bond doing the same kind of sex puns, but about the car. As though are, Bond is going to yeah, sleep yeah. with the car. Bond's going to fuck the car. <laughs> let's he see how she responds to of... my touch. Yeah. yeah. Yes, he does say that. He says, let's see how she responds to my touch. And then we cut to, and then... in my version of the film, we cut to James Bond uh, making vicious, angry love to the exhaust <laughs> pipe. <laughs> While well, Hugh shakily goes, oh, James Bond. <laughs> he does it um, oh, that would be he, so good oh James he does it also with and now, the and now Q's drinking as well Q must just permanently be drunk I mean come on yeah. when he came on screen I thought that it was like I had a kind of out of body experience like I was a child in, in the seven, in 17th century Netherlands with like a puppet that's been brought out to teach us about the evils of the world it's a kind of Wow, that's a fantastic. Uh, that's a really good way of describing it. So, what else? Can I in this can film? I move on to my favourite? Uh, the only thing that comes close to to Carver's brilliance, 
and Brosman's Brosmanning is the insane, really long scene with the creepy German hitman. Do you remember? Oh, that is weird. It's so weird. so weird. Oh, um, oh, so, Doctor Sleep. So weird. Sleepy, Doctor... sleepy-eyed guy. The, yeah, he's a very guy, ugly man. The guy who looks like he's he's just drunk a whole bottle of Nitol. He's kind of <laughs> wandering into the scene. I, I would just go back to something which you said, Ivo, which is that you feel like you can't really remember parts of this film. And I will say that that's totally understandable, given that the tone and pacing of this film changes as if they've not only changed writers every other page, <laughs> but also directors, in that it's just kind of like there are some moments that are really slow and like weirdly slow. It's like, <laughs> why yeah. is James Bond sitting with this hitman, which feels like a kind of like <laughs> kind of conversational <laughs> part in a, in a Tarantino think, film yeah, or something. Or it'd be like and then there's of... other bits where it's like a Michael Bay film where they're running away from this helicopter that is deciding to try and kill them by using its blades, <laughs> which makes no sense at all. Yeah, in an overcrowded street. We'll get to that bit. That is But I want to. I want to. I want to discuss the um the because he walks in, he finds Mrs. Carver dead in his hotel room, and this creepy yeah. German. He's like a forensic pathologist or like forensic scientist or something. So he's good at making it look like suicides. Um, and but Bond's reaction to finding. His dead sort of ex-lover is so weird. He sniffs her hair really intensely when he <laughs> finds her dead. And then they have this weird, boring, long conversation, which, like Tom says, could be... I mean, I think it could be, like, some kind of arty short film. It's, like, kind of yeah, weird. Definitely. And then there's weird, like, cartoonish... Do you remember when Stamper... They can't get into Bond's car and Stamper comes through on his earpiece and he just screams, Oh, Stamper! <laughs> Out of oh, yeah. It's so unnecessary. Yeah. It's so, so weird. What's, ha- what's happened is that this kind of weird hitman has killed uh, the lady, but he's waiting for Bond in the hotel room, and now he's got Bond. Is that what happened? Yeah, yeah that's what happened. Yeah. But, but it has the because um, I remember the the hair kissing that you're that you're talking. About. Yeah, but and then it's it made ends. me just think of the lyrics that you read out of the of the song at the beginning. So the same. I now see the theme of necrophilia that runs through. Oh yeah, true, true. Because then, when he kills the hitman before he leaves, he gives the most intense cheek snog I've ever seen. Her face is like fully facing away from him, and he bends over and just like presses his mouth firmly to her cheek, but like open mouth onto yeah. her cheek. <laughs> For about five seconds, and then jumps out the window. It's a really that's how Pierce Brosnan <laughs> it's such a makes good ending love. <laughs> it's the it was, it... his sexual organ is actually just his mouth. He doesn't have <laughs> genitals like us. It's it's like a vampire almost. Yeah. What what would be some of the other um, scenes that jumped out jumped out to you? Um, I like David? the I so then Dev blah blah blah. They go to Hong Kong. The the whole. The helicopter bit is insane. Like you're saying, that they're trying to kill them with the blades, and there are six men with machine guns inside the helicopter. Is a really interesting choice. Yeah, let's let's go back to the fact that they go to Hong Kong. I don't know why they go to Hong Kong, but it seems to fulfil the kind of provision in all James Bond films that they have to change countries at least six times. It's very much like Tintin in that <laughs> yeah, in yeah. that manner. Yeah, all around the world in eighty days. They somehow find that going to different locations is good. I don't know why it's good, but they go to Hong Kong for some reason, and then also didn't understand this. 
um the helicopter yeah the helicopter is for some reason chasing them i feel like you ivo i kind of blacked out even though i watched <laughs> this film twice in the last four days i still don't understand anyway they're running around hong kong on a motorbike bond refuses to get off the motorbike for some <laughs> bizarre reason in even including places where to be off the motorbike would mean that he wouldn't get almost certainly killed so he get off the motorbike and he runs through a door no he drives the motorbike up the <laughs> stairs yeah, yeah. and all through like seven different houses and jumps off a balcony with the motorbike yeah and this helicopter is following them and then instead of shooting him they, they start tilting the blade so they can tr- what, tr- what are they trying to do in the best case scenario right <laughs> they they chop but they chop bond in half with the blades therefore destroying the helicopter and killing themselves <laughs> Like, I don't so, know what he... again, the, the, well, I guess best case scenario is you like you clip, you just manage to like clip his head off, and then you write the helicopter and you fly <laughs> off. But the margin for error of just like you're in a very crowded, <laughs> like very small alley, the helicopter blades just like hitting anything or the ground, or it makes absolutely no sense. But it's very dramatic. I really, it's a great, it's a great chase. It it's capped off as well with the most. Not, I, there is absolute. I mean, there are like you could. I'm sure you could go back and find some reasons for other things we've said don't make any sense in this film. There is no way you could find any reason for them having a shower after that, just in the middle of the street. Him and the Chinese lady just showering together. That is pretty cool. Um, yeah, that is. That was cool. I'm glad you said that. Baffling. I'm willing to overlook um, that. It was cool. That was a cool scene. <laughs> it was cool. <laughs> uh, you know what? I, I, I'm just reading a little bit about this uh, about this film. And apparently the script writing took up. They only basically finished the script as they were starting the film, which I can totally understand. That I can yeah, believe. yeah, yeah. <laughs> Um, in in watching in watching this film, and it definitely feels cobbled together. Really, really right cobbled at- together. I feel like there were probably some casting issues and some weird like. It feels like they were right up to the you know. Yeah, they have these big set. They have these big set scenes. They have the big arms bazaar scene. They have the big helicopter fight scene, and then they have the big scene at the end. Everything else between those scenes, I have n- I couldn't really remember it. it all yeah, no, of- true. Let's quickly, should we quickly move on to the last, the final set piece, which is Carver. Yeah. Carver goes nuts. He goes, it's just, it's the, one of the greatest performances I've ever seen in my life. And again, <laughs> every time he comes back on the screen, he's ratcheting up the cartoonish evil to such a great, it's a great bit where he thinks Bond has died and he responds by going, delicious. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, so let's describe what's happening. He's plan to make china and england be at war is kind of failing but his what he's trying to do is to shoot a missile into is it beijing yeah it's it's coming to a head it's it's not (laughs) failing yet is it yeah sorry it's not failing yet what his plan is that he's got his stealth ship which is undetectable by radar which they keep saying (laughs) over and over again so you're like why is the ship so close to the other ship and they (laughs) just look out the window any sense they They also keep the window for some they also keep filming the guy who's checking the radar who has to carry on saying i don't know there's nothing here (laughs) (laughs) nothing's showing his plan is to go up in his stealth ship, go very close to the HMS Devonshire, and then shoot a missile at China. The Chinese will then think that it's the HMS Devonshire because the missile came from there, and then all that war will go on. Luckily, JB is on the stealth ship, 
Um, another thing where, like, he just takes a boat, drives right up to the stealth <laughs> ship, and just gets on it. It's not a stealth boat either. And they don't either. see him. He, they should no, be he's, able to... He's, he's detectable by radar, surely. <laughs> <laughs> it's apparently the only detectable in... that counts. It's really good. Anyway. The, yeah, so he gets on the boat, and there he is, he is met with the most Austin Powers security detail of any film ever. Remember the bit where they see... Carver sees him on the security cameras... And the guy yeah. who's supposed, the henchman who's supposed to be watching the security cameras, is just like writing in a notebook. <laughs> doing crossword. <laughs> He's doing the crossword. I became, um, I paused the film during this scene because I, I was obsessed with the, there's a henchman who's standing behind Jonathan Price in one of the, in one of the um, frames. And he's, we- he's wearing his black army overalls and a black army helmet that I, it, was impossible to imagine that it wasn't a, actually physically a part of his own head. It looked, <laughs> it looks like just it, it had grown out of the top of his head. It was an extraordinary looking guy. Then the last thirty minutes of the film is just everything falling apart. <laughs> yeah, like yeah. the whole scenery. Except like, what, should, what, what are we going to do with this set? Let's just fucking destroy it all. It doesn't really make any sense. It's all just gonna. Fall it all, it the really. Ceiling. The bit where the bit where Bond finds mason jars in a room, so that he can <laughs> do something with a hand grenade. That is really at that point, you're really sort of clutching at straws. <laughs> Why are there mason jars on the stealth ship? It doesn't make Pickling. any sense. Does that is Pickling. that is it's really, a big um, big hobby in, in naval circles. I'm making kimchi. <laughs> <laughs> that. that that definitely adds to. I'm really picking up on Ivo's thing about saying it's like a kind of bizarre dream. Yeah, you're like you kind of can't quite believe that they put it in the script. They're like, wait, he makes a bomb. He makes a kind of improvised bomb yeah. out of out of a mason jar. Now, why do they choose a mason jar? Why why doesn't he just make a bomb? Yeah, like, <laughs> he goes have a bomb the... on him. It doesn't He's, make any sense. He sneak. He opens a door and he walks into the larder of his boarding school <laughs> house and he takes out a jam jar and then he goes back into. The, it, it is just dreamscapes, isn't it? It's yeah, like that's a, really weird. It yeah, it's true. The um, the this... other thing I'd like to mention in this bit, it's another Carver bit, is the karate moment, which is so. Good. <laughs> <laughs> that is what makes this film. When he's captured the Wei Lin or whatever her name is, the Chinese spy who's working with Bond. Is is this is this actually one of the greatest like surrealist films of all time, however? <laughs> in that it in that it goes between a reality and these kind of bizarre kind of dreamlike <laughs> dreamlike sequences that don't really make any sense. Maybe this um, director who is called Roger Spottiswood, uh, <laughs> yes, sort of... maybe he's overlooked. I will. I'd like to get on to Roger Spottiswood in a second, but let's finish off the rough. It is true that of... the the surrealist the other surrealist bit happens just before, when they're going to the stealth ship and they're on that weird this sailboat and there's a weird yeah. like massive sea vistas and they're on like a wooden ship going somewhere it doesn't it's absolutely bizarre but anyway yeah we sort of it wraps up in classic bond style he kills stamper the main henchman who looks by the way exactly like scooter i think he might be (laughs) (laughs) um yeah and he and he stops the plan and uh it all uh it all ends peacefully for the good guys and bad for the bad guys but 
Um, I will say the takeaway things for this. Film well, the final. Is, can I say the just, fi- just before we get the final bit, which is classic. Like I always found it. It's always so baffling the bit where they're like on a bit of debris. The two of them after she's basically she passed out. She was underwater for so long she passed out, and he had to go down and save her. <laughs> and then he's like, "Let's stay undercover." But they're just in the middle of the South China Sea. In on like hey. so unsexy the whole thing. They're supposed to be like miss... they're supposed to it bang was... on this bit of metal. It was You misunderestimate uh, Bond what Bond can do. He can get them to anyway, it, it's yeah, a fantastic true. a fantastic ending and I find that just the whole the whole film is just it's just so like playful in that it's just awful and it's just and they people put too much effort into in this film cost an enormous amount of money <laughs> and the amount of effort put into it is staggeringly low it cost 110 million dollars <laughs> and it feels like they it feels like they wrote it all literally the day beforehand and they were like here's your lines learn them and there were also I must say all the act, all of the acting apart from Jonathan Price <laughs> is so bad. Yeah. It's r- really really terrible. Yeah, it's, it's yeah. It's let's the, get, it let's... ends. It's, so, it's such a weird experience watching these films. It's it ends as like disorientatingly and, and abruptly as it as it begins. It's, yeah, it, it is. It, you you feel like what what's happened? You feel kind of like it's like they it. wrote. It's like they wrote a TV show. You know, like maybe like ten hour long episodes. That's yeah. and then they had to like whittle it down to two hours or whatever. Yeah, but, but it's really not even. To... It's not because it's not. It doesn't feel like it's got even as much substance as that. Because although loads of stuff happens none of it is really none of the like consequence of it or yeah, nothing needs nothing's actually worked out so it's, none of it means exactly. anything it's like watching <laughs> a video of like a photo montage or something it's like yeah. it would be exactly the same film if from he got in the, from the back of the car when they're in the car drinking out of the crystal tumblers he then just got in a boat and went straight to the stealth ship the whole film could be <laughs> <laughs> it could be like 20 minutes long yeah, I mean, I th- it might sound like we're um, disparaging the film at the moment, but I really enjoyed this uh, this film. It's pure popcorn um, cinema, really, isn't it? Yeah, I, I mean, I, I I really enjoyed it. I mean, it's very it is very funny. I think not always knowingly, but I don't yeah, <laughs> not always knowingly. And in fact, at times when it's trying to be funny. <laughs> It's you're la- you're not laughing with them. You're no. laughing at how bad the comedy is. Um, I would like to talk about Roger Spottiswoad, who is the director <laughs> for a second. Some of his other films that he um, directed uh, is uh, Turner and Hooch, which is uh, a buddy cop comedy film with Tom Hanks and a dog, <laughs> um, and the very well known 1992 another buddy cop film called Stop or My Mum Will Shoot, uh, which was um, the the only film that Sylvester Stallone has said that he regrets doing. <laughs> uh, it has a sev- Stop, and- Stop or My Mum Will Shoot has a 7% rating on Rotten Tomatoes. Um, and it's widely thought to be one of the worst films of all time. That's oh. really good. Wait, so do, is this just, was it, what do you think this was just a scam? How did he get this job? I don't I don't know. Anyway, a lot of a lot of the contemporary reviews are really hate on him. I'll read one of them from the Montreal Film Journal, 
Unfortunately, like most Bond films, this entry is directed by a no-talent hack who never really crafts the action into anything more than effective yet unoriginal bing-bang-booming that you forget quickly, which also (laughs) describes the whole film. Now, I like that one because it's it's pretty vicious. Um, But I'm also a big fan of the the review where it's like so succinctly rude... um, that it's it's kind of it's kind of perfect. Let me just quickly navigate to that. I like Bing Bang Booming. Yeah, Bing Bang. Yeah, here, here we here we go. This is from the Chicago um, Tribune. This is also a contemporary review, so it was written at the time, uh, and it says, "Does this work? Is it worth the trouble? Not really." <laughs> <laughs> that is a fantastically scathing review because it just implies that this, it's just not it's just nothing. Yeah. Um, <laughs> My, the guy, my my um, my image for Roger Spottiswoode is, you know, the cat. You know, Tesla from um, from Curb Your Enthusiasm. You know, they're like really annoying. Do you know what I'm talking about? Maybe no, not. I don't. No, I I haven't watched. Um, I watched so much Curb Your Enthusiasm when I was younger, but I haven't really. Um, I've been watching loads. Too recently. much. Yeah, just like just imagine this sort of very pretentious, very bad director roger spotter's word is such a good name so it is a really good name it is a really good name and this was a huge flop for them because goldeneye um which was the first ever brosnan film uh was such a huge hit that everyone like judged judged this film against it and i think that's why it's only got 57 percent on rotten tomatoes audience rating though it's like 98 percent because everyone realizes that it's pure campy fun yeah it's and great that's what it's yeah i give it i give it a 99 percent. but i would give it i would give it maybe 22 percent for all of the movie apart from the kind of the scene between bond and mrs carver and that i would give a hundred percent yeah, <laughs> yeah. You, you, you know what i think if i had to watch this film every week my enjoyment of it would rapidly go down to zero <laughs> i i kind of think if i had to watch it every week i would forget i'd forget i would have forgotten enough of it by the time it came around to watch True. it again i always thought you were going to say you'd forget about the real world <laughs> i would yeah, definitely I forget about the real world completely I'm. Th- I have a very. I had a very unnerving experience watching it because Mrs. Carver has. I have her exact same haircut, and so watching <laughs> Brosnan slobber on her slender shoulder was a, a really <laughs> an odd experience. I think if I watched it every week, I, I might yeah lose you grasp of what is real. <laughs> you might yeah, and you start waking up thinking that Bros the Brosman is yeah. slobbering on your your shoulder. Yeah. Start wearing very tight black satin dresses. And... <laughs> <laughs> uh, Fantastic. Really anyway, good. Any, fir- any final thoughts? I'm going to cobble this all together to make some kind of sense of it because we can't have a one and a half or one and a half, ten minute long episode. But um, we'll, I'll cut it all together so we have all yeah. the best. Very um, nice about it. Any, any final any thoughts? Any final on... thoughts? I did, have, um, um, I did have a question which, which was... Oh. Um, which we haven't done your fan fiction yeah oh yeah it's it's not i i only i had five minutes to do it and it's and it's not um but i can send it on the chat i can try and send it yeah um what we'll have a read of it anyway 
Yeah. I'm going to... What I'll do is I'll just email it to you guys. I think that'll probably be the easiest. It's a PDF. And if you... One of <laughs> Why you, is it a PDF? Because... Because... <laughs> because I, this is my work. Okay. I'm not handing that you... Makes sense. You know, what do you think? Yeah. Has it got... Um, has it, is it, like, watermarked with our names? <laughs> so you know who's leaked it? <laughs> yeah. Well, you joke. After Roger Spottiswood got a film made, I'm, you know, any... Well, that's true. A- anything could happen. Um, But I wanted to ask if uh, any of the characters in this film reminded you of any of the... Um, Talented individuals that have that normally feature on the Being Mean podcast. Ah, uh, I could see the Doctor having a um, a lonely, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, a lonely what, acoustic what? rendition of of some um, <laughs> some sort of seventies rock tune, maybe like "Carry On My Wayward Son" in a oh, really? set in Germany. Yeah, I think you're right. Acoustic. I can see him playing. Um, uh, you are playing a soulful but you say it best when you say nothing at all looking <laughs> yeah, straight down good. the lens yeah when you said that i i immediately thought of the uh blonde uh strong henchman guy um <laughs> doing like a kind of completely tone deaf cover of some kind of uh kind of club song yeah um, yeah that would be good or, or like doing like a kind of vocal version of Put your hands up. Put your hands up for Detroit. A lovely city. Something something like that. Because he looks like a kind of tech techno guy. Yeah, yeah. that's true. Money yeah. Penny obviously would be doing uh, some like Ray Sremard song with way too much vibrato. <laughs> okay, I, I have just got I've I've just got Ivo's uh, fan fiction through. Um, I think we're going to do it. Uh, who am I going to be? Okay, so it's 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 really short. This is one one. It's actually just one page. I didn't have enough time. It's something that I wish that I had done. I didn't have enough time to do it. Um, there's two characters, and I and Dave, you I I think you'd um, suit the bronze man character. And okay. uh, Tom, if you'll read Mr. P, the, Mr. P, okay. Um, yeah, We're, this is more of this is uh, done in dedication to uh, my great idol, uh, Mr. Pierce Brosnan. And I, if it if this reading goes well enough, I will be putting this on the Pierce Brosnan uh, message board website that I've been reading <laughs> all of today. There's mostly just. Oh, is there actually one? Yeah, 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 and it's mostly just. Uh, Women asking for stories of stories th- from people that know people who once saw Pierce Brosnan, <laughs> <laughs> and they're really beautiful. Uh, great stories. Okay. Okay. I so you're gonna read the. So Here can we I are. ask a question? Should I? Should I try? Should I try and do a James a James Brom- Brosnan? Yeah, please. Accent. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. If if you can do that, sort of <laughs> that that sort of thing, yeah, that'd okay. be that'd be really great. I'll give it, I'll you give are. It my best shot. You are both Pierce Brosnan, by the way. (laughs) I know. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so here we go. Fade in. Exterior. Rooftop garden. Night. Velvet and silk and the distinct scent of desire. (laughs) Sexy desire. Guests mingle, scoffing Italian amuse-bouche with names like Bonuccini Valentini and Multimissimo Fellatio. We follow in on broad, robust shoulders that spread out like an expanse of the most manliest landscape imaginable. 
mountains. I put because I wasn't really sure what I meant. <laughs> it's our hero, Commander Brondman. Delicately draining a champagne flute, he abandons protocol and has ocular sex with all the guests visible. He does it lazily and without protection. But what's this? Someone trying to visually sexify Bondman? He approaches the culprit, a Mr. P. The name's Brondman, Jameson Brondman. Mr. P whips around, assaulting this suave introduction with a pointy moustache and goatee. Funny, I don't remember asking. I think you've had one too many caipirinhas. <laughs> Mr. B drains his drink before lifting one eyebrow in intrigue and also challenge. Brosnart, Pierce Brosnart, why are you on my roof, Mr. Bronman? <laughs> oh, holiday? Hmm, so not business, Mr. Bronman. Oh no, pleasure, always pleasure. We're not so different, you and I. This is very surreal. <laughs> <laughs> no, I believe not. Have you met my, met my wife, Cassandra? Cassandra and Bronman sharing a knowing and quite naughty glance. Oh, I'd say we're acquainted. In the background, Cassandra is violently murdered by a henchman with a loose Russian accent. The two sexiest men, meanwhile, bite each other's shoulders lustfully. That is fantastic. Wow. I love that. Wow. That's one of the best things that I've ever it's read. Really good. <laughs> I'm, so, I'm so so proud to be a part of it. A very surreal morsel of uh, broad <laughs> fan fiction. We're <laughs> definitely gonna keep keep that in. We're definitely uh... Yeah, I think that's the, that's the, the beginning of the being mean cinematic universe, Tom. There we go. <laughs> oh definitely. Yeah. And I it's a, definitely a short. It's a kind of post credit <laughs> yeah. post credit sequence. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, you know, I mean, it's um, I, I, my, obviously, it's it's not done for, for any of your average, uh, boring listeners. It's it's done in the hope that Pierce Brosnan is listening to the show, and I know that I know that Mr. Brosnan doesn't have much time. You know, he's a man of of business and also leisure, and so that's why you've had to sneak it in to his favorite podcast. (laughs) Yeah. So I couldn't write too long. I knew that I'd I wouldn't have his attention for so long. Okay, fantastic. I think we can leave it there, and we'll say da na da. Thank you for listening to Being Mean. Thank you so oh, much for I having me, week. guys. This was this was oh, a lot of fun. Pleasure. My pleasure it was all art. Da na 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 da